Um, I put on some gloves and gave the bubble a gentle pull. What came out was an, <clears throat> shall we call it, oh! Before we dive in, a warning. The content of this podcast may not be appropriate for some young listeners. This is real life, and that means that sometimes it can be a little bit graphic. So listen on at your own peril. As a veterinarian, dog behaviorist, best-selling author, and trainer, over the past decade, I've had an obsession with transforming the behavior of dogs understanding their brains and creating practical strategies that you can implement easily at home. I know all too well when the dream you imagined when you first got your dog is far from your daily reality. In fact, out of the blue, a few months ago, my little dog Gorse was bitten by a dog 20 times her size. And suddenly our life of stress-free walks, a calm and cuddly household and being teammates was replaced with reactivity, anxiety and worrying about what's around the next corner. I'm Dr. Tom, this is the Help My Dog podcast, and this is me documenting that journey of transformation, sharing my knowledge and experience with you and having a few laughs along the way. All right, so welcome to this episode of the Help My Dog podcast. And we're going to do another topic that you've all been requesting, okay? Because um, we're actually loving this, you know, you guys emailing in, requesting what, um, what you'd love us to talk about, because ultimately we want to make sure that you as a listener are getting you know, loads of value and we're helping you and we're moving you forward. Um, and that's really what this podcast is all about, is getting this information out there. It's really no good, you know, having honed the, you know, this learning, these techniques, these skills, these games over, you know, 10 plus years. And, you know, even though we see you know, 400 plus behavior consults in the behavior clinic every single month, that you know that's still there's still way more dogs out there right there's still way more owners out there and we want to help all of them that is the goal right which might be a bit ambitious i don't know but we're going to go for it so this episode of the podcast is for those of you who have a dog where you understand that you know you you want to use reward based training and you you're loving following the podcast you're getting loads of value but your dog isn't particularly foodie and your dog actually doesn't, you know, sometimes doesn't even really like food. What do we do about that? Like, what, um, what are some strategies that we, can, that, that we can implement? And the good news is, is that you can totally change that. Like many of, um, you know, my personal dogs, they were not foodie when I met them. Okay, so, you know, they were, they were like, kind of like blasé about food. Like, yeah, I kind of like my food, kind of don't like my food, really prefer barking at people, really preferred like running off and chasing things. And you probably listen to it, you're like, yeah, that is my dog, yeah? Um, and I think that the big clue in that is that if they're showing, the fact that they have behavior struggles means that they're showing passion for things in life. Just right now, they're not showing passion for the things that, are, that you are training them with but they're certainly showing passion for the environment. And so if I do sort of like a series of tips, and I don't know how many tips it's gonna be, because I'll just try and cram in as many as I can just to make sure that you've all got plenty, right? So tip number one is based on exactly what I've just said, and that is that the fact that your dogs, the fact that your dog has behavior struggles, they chase other dogs, they're sniffy, you know, they, um, I don't know, they love jumping in water, uh, maybe they love digging, whatever it might be, that, I, I want you to think of 
those behavior struggles, I want you to reframe them in your head and think of them instead as clues of how I can communicate with my dog. Okay, so for example, the fact that your dog loves to chase other dogs or chase, you know, rodents or just chase leaves, chase generally, means that they're very passionate about movement, they're very stimulated by movement, they love things that move really fast, right? And, you know, sometimes that can be breed related, sometimes that can be individual related. Ultimately, dogs are dogs, and so chances are most of them find movement stimulating some dogs to the extreme. Uh, uh, take little Gorse, our mini Dachshund, as an example. She loves nothing more than you having a piece of food on the floor. And she's actually a good example of one of these dogs that was just not foodie. Like I remember I, I was teaching a group and I went to demo something with her when she was a puppy um, thinking, oh, you know, just play with what we've got, work with what we've got. Probably, that was probably a bit arrogant in hindsight and she proved that. Um, I handed her a bit of food and um, it rolled out the other side of her mouth and I was like, ah, ah, this is interesting, right? This is gonna be, this, this might not, I might not be demoing what I think I'm demoing here. Um, and so she loves nothing more than a bit of food, like being still on the floor. And I like cage it, so she's not, you know, she can't get to it. And then at some point I just flick it. So it's almost like a rabbit shooting out of a hole. Yeah, and you think about what mini dachshunds are meant to do in life. They, you know, it involves going down holes and flushing things out of holes and maybe just grabbing things down holes. And it's like, that makes sense. But if, if I didn't take that moment to be like, okay, when I hand her a bit of food as a reward, it rolls out the other side of her mouth. But if I take her up on the moor, currently she can't go off lead because literally she is darting for every bit of movement and potentially looking to go down holes, right? Then. I wouldn't have, I, you know, I wouldn't have made progress, okay? So what I'm saying is that your dog's behavior struggles, they leave clues, and those clues, I want you to use them in how you interact with your dog, yeah? That is, think of it as that is your dog's currency that they are going through life looking to be paid in, right? And if we don't get that currency and apply it in our training, then it's gonna be a harder slog. So for example, if your dog, if your dog struggle with sniffing, right? Maybe actually part of their, their reward delivery should be you pop a bit of food on the ground, you pop a finger through their harness so that they can't see where you popped it and you tell them to go find it, right? That's working in their currency. So tip number one, their struggles leave clues, make sure you're using them in your, um, in your training. Tip number two, Hey guys, I just want to take a little pause to let you know how you can get involved with the official Help My Dog membership hub. If you're enjoying geeking out about the science of dog behavior, want to watch dogs practically being trained in real life, and you want to progress even further, you can join our members-only community and get targeted learning with me each and every week to help you combat your dog struggles at home, on walks, and out and about. And right now, when you jump in, you can actually watch Gorse's behavior rehabilitation from trauma to triumph in an over-the-shoulder video diary showing real-life situations. To find out more, just head over to www.helpmydog.com forward slash hub. Tip number two, kind of should have come before tip number one, but anyway, I got excited. And that is that food is not just about the taste. Food is also about the experience that comes with that, right? So your dog's gonna have t tastes that they 
some tastes that they like more than others. And I absolutely want you to get to know that, get a feel for that. Try them with chicken, try them with beef, try them with lamb, yeah, try them with green tripe, whatever you need to do. Try them with different, you know, foods that, that you currently feed. So if you feed kibble, for example, try them with different um, flavors of kibble. And try them with dry, try them with semi-moist, try them with, um, you know, maybe cooked meat or something. And then, and then that's just level one. Level two, which is where you get most of the gain, is actually then what experience you create with that. It's not just posting it into their mouth and it rolling out the other side. It's caging it and flicking it. It's getting them to chase it. It's rolling it. It's bowling it. It's catching it. It's hiding it and getting them to sniff it out. And don't worry about, you know, making it that, you know, you ask for a sit and then good boy, you get the reward. Actually just grow these experiences with food for the joy of growing them, knowing that these then become your tools in your toolkit to grow other things and reward other choices. Does that make sense? I hope so. So turning the tastes into also an experience and you're winning. And, you know, with, um, with all of our dogs, I know that if I've got chicken in my hand, I don't have to work as hard on the experience because I know that there's a level of, you know, value and anticipation there that is, is, is going to be rewarding just by the fact it's chicken, right? I'll be rewarded in chicken. And... Um, but if I've got a bit of like kibble in my hand that I've found in, found in my pocket and it's been through the washing machine four times and I've got to reward my dog, I know that actually I can still create an experience around that, that piece of kibble to make it just as rewarding. And of course, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna, if it's been through the wash, probably going in the bin. Yeah, unless it's desperate times, right? But um, the, the point is, is that you, you've got like these levers. One lever is taste that you can increase and decrease. The other lever is experience that you can increase and decrease. And when one's low, you can compensate with pushing the other one up. And I'd, I'd urge you all to make it that your dog will, you know, work with you for a variety of tastes and a variety of experiences. All right, so that's tip number two. Now tip number three is actually that did you ever have it as a child where you just got into the habit of saying no? Yeah, you got into the habit of saying no, maybe about a, a, about a bit of a type of food, right? Like I know if I offer Madeline a mushroom, she will go no, right? And I could, and I know before I, before I even say, should we have, you know, mushroom spaghetti for dinner? I don't know. Um, I know that she's going to say no, but I still offer it anyway. And she says no to me, then the next time I offer her mushrooms, do you think she's more likely or less likely to say no? She's even more likely to say no. She just said it five minutes ago. And I'd be like, mushroom risotto? She's like, no. Be like, mushroom salad? No. Mushroom tea? I don't know if that's a thing. No. And, and we, we sometimes set these scenarios up with our dogs. And you know, those of you that have like, had toddlers before, you will know this really well, where no is popular as, as a human child grows and the more you set up situations where they say no to you the more they say no 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 and everything is no and then it's you know you can even offer them something that they want and they go no and you're like but i know you want this right <laughs> i know you want it they just got into the habit of saying no I and mean, it's exactly the same for our dogs i see it so often where you know 
owners, you know, repeatedly offer their dog an experience in a situation where they can't cope with that, it's not, you know, it's in no way uh, combating that situation. It's in no way uh, comparable to all the other things on offer in that situation. And the dog goes, no, right? And so what I'm suggesting is what about we set this up for three weeks of yes, okay? And what three weeks of yes looks like is actually you only offer your dog the experience of being rewarded with food when you know it's going to be a yes. So that probably means actually we're going to work on reward-based training and, you know, creating those experiences, rolling, catching, throwing, you know, hiding, flicking, whatever at home, then maybe in the garden, then maybe, you know, you go to a different location that might be you borrow your friend's garden. And it might also be that you do it in the bedroom and the bathroom and the kitchen. And you try and get, do as many different locations where your dog screams yes, so that as you start to expand to more challenging situations where previously they've may, maybe said no, they've had three weeks of saying yes. Also works for toddlers, right? Also works for children. Um, and so, I've had three weeks of saying yes, and then after three weeks of saying yes, do you think they're more likely to say yes? Yeah, because they've been saying it. Uh, you know, we're all creatures of rehearsal, and it's especially true when it comes to food, right? Anybody notice that, that um, humans that are fussy with their food, they're not like, often it's like, it's either I'll eat anything, or here is the encyclopedia of things that I won't eat, right? Um, and again, it's, you know, it's, it's rehearsed, but, and I'm not saying that it's rehearsed and people actually like these things. There are some things that I don't like eating. Um, but I know that if my, you know, if my parents kept, I, I really don't like sausages, weirdly. Um, and if my parents kept trying to force me to eat sausages when I was growing up, I would have been like, no, no, and actually no to that, no to that, no to that, and no to that, yeah? Same with dogs. So. That is the third tip. Now, before we dive into any more tips, I think we should do, although my computer's misbehaving, we might need a backup plan, Madeline. Oh, no, it's here. Got it. Oh, now it's gone weird again. I've got it. So Madeline has sent me your cringe stories from this week. And I am just going to get these up on my laptop, and we are then going to have a little read of them. All right, let's do this. So. And as I say, I've not seen these. And remember that the, the cringe, it could be worse element of the podcast is really for us all to start celebrating the fact that the reason why we got a dog is because we wanted uncertainty. We, we, they're a living thing with a personality and they're not meant to be robots. And admittedly, some of the it could be worse stories that you send in they maybe shouldn't happen, right? But they do, and rather than shaming each other for them, actually let's have a laugh, take it as information, and think, yeah, I, I could probably skill my dog up differently for that situation. I could have managed that situation differently. There's way too much shame in the world, right? And I think as dog owners, we, we you know, sometimes we're shamed on a daily basis when we've, you know, we've got a dog with struggles, and actually that de-energizes you and makes you less likely to to successfully work with your dog rather than what should be, which is, oh, that's really funny. That's great information. And here's what we can do about it, right? So 
First one. Hi, Tom and Madeline. Here is my cringy story for you. When Ducky was about six months old, I was at an agility show and I was a helper. This was at a time when the agility results from each class had to be inputted manually onto the computer system. As I went about my duties, Ducky was lying on a raised bed next to me. All was going well when suddenly the computers disconnected from the local network. <gasps> the four of us helpers in our tent looked down and there was Ducky. No! Uh, the, four of us the four of us helpers in our tent looked down and there was Ducky chewing on a thick white cable. Oops, I was mortified. Did you own up or did, did you just hide it? I think I would have just like sellotaped it back together and run. Um, I had to sheepishly go to the secretary's tent and tell him that my new pup had brought the computers to a stop. Cringe. I did offer to pay, but the secretary forgave me. I helped a lot at the time, but told Ducky he was going to eat him. Oh, oh, gosh, that took a turn. <laughs> right, gosh, I remember to Guard the dogs at an agility show. There's a dog eater. <laughs> right, anyway, right, next one. So, um, uh, okay, apparently this person has said we don't need to change the dog's names. The dog's name. Oh, I love it. People are now, Madeline says, people are now wanting to own their naughty dog stories. This is cool. This is a change. We've gone from being shamed and in hiding to anonymous, okay, I'm going to admit to this, to now actually I want to be named and and famed. <laughs> so we'll name and fame you. Right, um, it, it was a day old snow day outside. Is it, does that mean the snow was a day old? Okay, cool. Right, it was a day old snow day outside. My brother had a new girlfriend and they were visiting my home so I could meet her. She was so polite in so many ways and slipped off her shoes at the doorway to help keep my floors clean. Oh, very polite. She was beautiful and friendly and a quiet balance to my brother's extroversion. At this very, I feel like I know her. At this very first meeting, my shy little Cairn Terrier cat was also meeting her for the first time. My brother laughed in his deep booming voice, ha ha ha, and his girlfriend and her, <laughs> and his girlfriend and I followed suit with our more subdued feminine laughter. Now, I'm not sure why this next bit happened. I can only assume that Cat got a bit overexcited by the laughter, but Cat took one look at those shoes, <gasps> squatted, and filled one of them with pee. Her aim was impeccable, and nope, there was no other shoes to wear home in the day-old snow for the girlfriend. Oh, that's, that's one that I'll put to the listeners. What would you guys do? Would you go for the, the urine shoes? Or walk home in walk home in snow with frozen feet. What would you do, Madeline? I, I would be too polite and I would insist and I'd be like, no, 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 I promise this is fine. It's more than fine. I yeah. So Madeline would be I see. So Madeline would be um <laughs> would be polite and, and I think I'd put the urine shoe on just yeah. because I don't like cold feet. I mean, I don't like urine feet either, <laughs> just to clarify everyone, but I, I really don't like, you know, when you can't feel your feet. Oh, it's the worst. Right, one more, one more. Um, also, I've, I've got a cringe story that I should have submitted. Um, so um, we met, we met 
well, let me get this right. My sister-in-law's new boyfriend, didn't we? And um, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Yes, my sister-in-law will be listening. Hello. Um, and um, and Ketone, who is normally just the most like, just you can just one hundred percent responsibility on her. You can you can rely on her. Um, anyway, she was on his lap. Um, we were all sat, you know, chatting, having a drink, and um, Ketone just sort of. I didn't see it happen. I did see it happen the second time, <laughs> and I didn't see it happen the first time. Um, she took a look at his beard, and she grabbed some of his beard in her mouth and pulled, literally pulled out his hair. And she's never done this before. We don't quite know why. We thought it was a bit of a fluke. And then she went and did it again and literally grabbed some of his hair and yanked it to the point where it actually came out. Um, so I, I've submitted that. I don't know why it happened. She's got a bit of a thing for beards. Um, Since then, he's actually complained that she has a prickly beard. Yeah. <laughs> that was Keto, not Madeline's sister. <laughs> right, uh, we must stop. So, uh, good day, Madeline and Tom. I've got a mortifying vet experience to tell you about, but from the other side. Oh, so this is from a vet. Oh, gosh. The, it could be worse stories. Uh, you know, they're progressing. We've, we're now getting like both sides of the vet table. Years ago, a client came in with her dog. The problem with the dog was that it had a... What? The problem with the dog was that it had a bubble coming out of its bum. I was the lucky vet who got to see this dog. It did indeed have a bubble coming out of its bottom. <laughs> um, I put on some gloves and gave the bubble a gentle pull. What came out was an, <clears throat> shall we call it, oh, prophylactic device. Oh my word, out of his bum. Um, I managed to keep my composure and remain professional in this incredibly awkward discovery. The owner, however, was quite embarrassed. I couldn't understand. So I told her to head home, no charge for the exam. Surely you should have charged extra. You pulled something out of a dog's bum. Um, I figured the story with names changed to protect the embarrassed, and uh, one which I just had to share with my colleagues, we need humor in the, the vet industry, would be compensation enough. Um, thankfully, she left and the laughter could commence. The dog was very happy to leave too. Oh, that's so funny. That is so funny. Um, I love that. I, I had a funny, um, uh, a funny, maybe I'll tell it one day. I'm not telling it today. I have to think about how I can tell it. But I had a funny um, uh, vet consult experience once where um, after the client had left, um, had left the, the consult, um, I just couldn't stop laughing. But it was like there were like tears rolling down my face. And the practice manager at the time she, she'd never seen me cry. She thought something like awful had happened and she like ran and got the other vets and was like, I don't know what's happened, but Tom is like, he's like bawling his eyes out um, and um, you need to, you know, you need to go and find out, find out what's happening. And I was laughing, I was crying with laughter. Um, it was, it was a very funny incident, but more on that on another episode. Subscribe and follow to find out more. <laughs> right, so let's get back to some tips for, uh, tips for foodie dogs. 
I'm just waiting for the message from Madeline's sister now to uh, to come in. Um, so foodie dogs. Um, so we've covered a few different tips. Next tip that I have for you is once you've developed, I think this is a key piece that's often missed or on the flip side, sometimes we jump to it too quickly, is once you've created this amazing experience around food that your dog really values, like it's the chase, it's the catch, it's the, the find it, it's the hide it, sniff it out, whatever, whatever works for your dog. And, you know, the, you figured out the tastes as well, because we can't forget that, right? You know, that should be part of a fun experience for our dogs. Um, then actually incorporating it into getting your dog to do stuff to get it actually makes it more valuable, yeah? So it's a little bit like figure out what, currency your dog wants to work for by seeing how they go through life and the behaviors that they choose and what they naturally value. Create that currency as an interaction between the two of you, step two, by growing the experience and whatever else. Step three is then you need to start almost paying in that currency, right? And as soon as your dog starts working and getting paid in this currency, they value it more, yeah? Who's had this where you worked really hard for something and I don't know, maybe you saved up for, I don't know, a new dog training book. I don't know. You value, you, you were reading it and you valued it more because you knew all the work to get to that point. Whereas if it had just been handed to you, yeah, you'd have liked it, but you wouldn't have valued it quite so much. And it's this concept of contra freeloading, it's called. And basically it's saying that animals value things more when they have to work to get them. And that's true in the wild as well. You know, the, I don't know if a bird is like, or squirrels like cracking a nut and it's a really difficult nut to crack and then they manage to crack it and they're like oh that nut tasted amazing <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna, i'm only gonna eat that nut it tastes great that's how they speak um <laughs> so um so yeah contra freeloading true in you know wild animals as well and, and the key here guys is it's not about depriving your dog of stuff it's not about saying you don't eat unless you work for me it's actually about saying hey we get to have this really cool interaction and this amazing experience follows and yeah there's food available otherwise but actually what you find is that your dog will want to you know work with you instead and those of you that are, you know maybe you've we sometimes do like live teaching sessions um, where, you know, we hop on Facebook Live and certainly those of you who are in the Help My Dog Online Hub, we do a weekly live every week um, and there'll be like live training going on and you'll often see in those lives, you know, I'll be teaching, I'll be, there'll be a dog on a bed, there'll be a big bowl of food on the floor which is to use for, for whatever demonst game demonstration or technique that I'm showing and um, the bowl will literally be within like reach of the dogs like it's on the floor next to them like right next to their head and they don't eat from it and yet then you see them play the game and they they're like so energized and they'll work for one piece of that bowl even though they could have just had the whole lot yeah and that is contra freeloading your dog will actually value working with you more than the experience of just eating from a bowl okay now where are we going with this so once you've got experience, taste, you've figured out what your dog loves in life, you've, you've got your currency in your hands and you're starting to work with them with that. What you're going to do is you're going to ask them to, you know, you, you're either going to play some of the games that you, 
you might have heard us teach on um, on this podcast already, um, or they might know a trick, or they might know a behavior. It can be really simple. It can be, can you do a down? Yeah. Can you do a sit? Can you do a left spin? Can you do a right spin? Can you come when I call you? And then what you're going to do is follow up with that experience and that food, and you can just repeat, 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 right? And then you're going to call it a day. Now, the next tip that I've got for you, if that tip's contra freeloading, we keep it specific to that. The next tip I've got for you is fast fire little and often, okay? So what I mean by that is now that we've got this great currency, now that our dogs are, you know, understanding that they work for it and they, you know, they have this amazing experience as a consequence of it, then what we do is we say, okay, um, I'm going to do three repetitions of a game or three repetitions of, you know, bowling the food from side to side or three repetitions of catch, catch, catch. And then I'm going to put the food away and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing. Now, have you ever had that in your life where it's like, oh, this is really cool. This is really cool. Oh, oh it's gone. Oh, I can't wait for that to happen again. Right. Oh, this is really cool. This is really cool. Oh, it's gone again. Oh. Looking forward to that return. Oh, he's here again. It's really cool. And that is kind of what we're creating in your dog. That that kind of anticipation and almost making it a little bit like not something that's, you know, it's not just free and easy. It's actually, this is a cool thing that happens, you know, infrequently. You don't know when it's going to happen. And if you've got a dog that struggles with focus and, in, and engagement, you bet that you do that for a couple of days and you'll be regretting it because they'll be like, there'll be one eye on you or both eyes on you and they'll be like, are they going to do that thing? And so you'll be working, tap, 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 type, type, type. And then you jump up, you grab the food, you bowl it, you ask them to do a down bowl it, you ask them to do a sit bowl it, you recall them, you bowl it, you ask them to do a middle, which is where they come around your leg and stand between your legs, really easy to teach, good thing to teach, really fun. You bowl it or they catch it and then you go back to your desk, tap, 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 yeah? That's typing on a computer, for those of you who don't, don't get my mimes. Um, so what that creates is a dog that is like, you know, it almost like adds value to the experience. And I, what I want you to think of with this podcast episode is we've literally taken a dog from zero to hero over the course of a series of tips. There are more tips, you know, no doubt there'll be a future episode where I dive into this topic a little bit more. But ultimately, if you can master those, I don't know how many tips I did, did I do five? four or five, um, almost treat those as steps to follow between now and the next time we speak, you're going to have a dog in a different place. And that might be that you're on step one and two for a couple of weeks. That's totally fine. And then you progress to step three. But often what we see is people almost jump to the end. Like here's some, you know, food in my hand. I've not mastered the taste. I've not mastered the experience. And now I'm going to ask you to work for it by asking you to do a sit. I'm going to post it into your mouth. It rolls out the other side. Your dog practices saying no, 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 no. And of course, the more they say it, the more they will, right? Um, whereas this method is actually saying, no, we're going to do that the other way around. There's, there's this, this passion element that we need to create to then move this forward. That was this episode of the Help My Dog podcast. If you haven't left us a review yet, please leave us a review, right? That allows people to find us and join this family um, of Help My Doggers. Um, help, help my, help my dog family. And, um, 
and and it means that you know they don't sometimes tread the the dangerous path of trying to find good advice out there when it's a bit of a you know minefield right so leave us a review um subscribe and follow and we will see you next time <laughs>